So this episode is about how being predictably unpredictable is the root of shifting things that need to be shifted. Before I sat down to do this, I, this podcast, I wrote out a few things. And actually what I sat down with was how can I show and express more appreciation for what I already have? And the first thing that came to mind was get into my body. There is this incredible lack of appreciation for the body that we have. We're constantly shaming and trying to recreate it. Instead of appreciating the body simply for what it is, flawed, imperfect, and perfectly you. Dancing my appreciation for my life and my body. That was the second one. Third, cleaning it caring for it and showing it off. It's a very interesting one because I'm not usually a person to show things off. It's something I'm I'm stepping into being public because I'm so hermity. <laughs> like I don't think anyone gets it because like when I walk into a room I'm just so authentic and I just sort of flow. Like I'm just there. I'm completely within my own experience. Even if my being within my experience is simply being present with another person in their experience. But it's this... um, It's why it takes so much out of me and why I realized so long ago I'm actually rather introverted as much as like to the observer I seem extroverted because I'm like, well... Uh, but the thing is, is I would be like this. I would be talking and dancing and moving and doing all this stuff, even if no one was watching. In fact, it's easier to do it when no one's watching. (laughs) So that has been maturing though. That has been reaching this point of being able to display my gifts, display what is important to me, display my value. And I think that's why that one came up. Clean it, care for it. Show it off. Mm. All right. And the fourth one, sing my appreciation to things. Make it theatrical. Make it dramatic. Make it full body into it. Make it raw. But like that, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the image that I'm getting in my head is of like superstar, you know, when she like does the like arms up thing. Oh my goodness. I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> superstar. Yeah. That sort of energy. That sort of like, just be whatever you are soaked in the essence of you, no matter how gritty and gross and awkward and painful to watch it is. Because in the end, it's actually beautiful. It's legitimately beautiful because that that's humanity. And like, that's what I'm always going to come back to is like, 
friend of mine was talking about this yesterday. He was like, I don't understand. Uh, not that you don't understand. It's like, it's a pure, <laughs> puritanical obsession with cleanliness and how things can't be messy. But it, it was like, it's like it removes the humanity from being human. You can be clean and tidy and sanitary without having to be kempt and perfectly in place. It can be messy. It can be too complex. And he's right. And I, I speak about that often. But it's wonderful because recently I've been having so much feedback to me from people who are around me. It's a delicious feeling. All right. Anyway, so podcast upcoming predictability being unpredictable, predictably being unpredictable and how that is a pathway to getting into your body, how it is a pathway to releasing a sense of burden that is built from a place of trauma response very early on from shaking to moving to inversion to dancing the key is to start there we go here you go So one of the things that I've been doing is waking up at around six o'clock and going through daily rituals such as pulling tarot cards and recording often a just pull is what I label them as, but uh, it's just whatever I need to know for the day and recording that in my ritual planner actually um in the bonus pages that i got from ordering the full one so i've been using that in my um good notes sort of excited actually to get started on the uh, physical planner i have a thing for like physical books <laughs> there's just something about it uh sort of like how i really 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 love writing down on paper um I've heard that it has something to do with the way that it pulls on my abstract mind. Um, because when I sit down to try to write, like if it's not already in my mind, if I'm not like trying to get something out very quickly that is already there, I end up stumbling over the creation, the like searching, the reaching, and it becomes far too... It's like I analyze the fuck out of it as it's coming out of me, and then it doesn't really come out of me. Um, it's only if like I have a whole entire like epic sonnet sitting in my head can I really do it that way. I don't know. That's something to think about, isn't it? Um, so anyway, so I woke up this morning, pretty much just woke up, 6 a.m., and that's one of the things that I've been realizing is... When you decide, when I have finally decided that something is going to change, my body does all of the lining up and all I have to do is follow through on what happens. 
And that was the thing is for the longest time I would tell myself, I'm going to get up at 6am, but then I would wake up at 6am and I would go right back to sleep. The key is to actually step into the ways that you've decided and to hold that decision. So I woke up and I, I did my meandering around and waking up. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to wake up so early is because it's this feeling of like having the time to slowly unfold, to walk around and love on all of my pets individually for that time as I'm first waking up, have the ability to take time for myself to just go through all of the things, look at my schedule, make sure that the next few days are sort of like laid out in my head, check my finances, check my bank account, um, check that certain payments have gone through, you know, just the stuff to make sure that things are unfolding as I've set them in motion to, as I was envisioning them to, as, as that there's no hitches that I have to like course correct for and like adapt. The one that's been hardest to really get going for me though for some reason and as I'm recording this I'm probably gonna go and do it right after because that's the type of person that I am I don't know what you can call that from whether it's from like my ADHD or like the just the simple neurodivergence or the simple like <laughs> I'm just weird like that <laughs> um but the hardest one to implement has been doing stretching and moving consistently in this morning time because I'm, I'm so up in my head. It's, it's what I've learned to do as a coping mechanism. Yet all of the research and, you know, asking my intuition, looking for ways of helping... It's about embodiment for me. And I mean, I'm, I'm really good at teaching that. I'm excellent at teaching that. I'm excellent in so many ways at being the example of physical embodiment and being in my body. But the hardest part for me has been to move consistently in my body. And... I wanted to sort of take a moment to contemplate that. The sort of cognitive dissonance that occurs as we're like identifying the things and becoming clear about the things that are integral to the most delicious existence that every part of yourself has yearned for. And the resistance that is run into when in the process of implementing this new lifestyle, this new way of being, I don't even know if you could call it new because it feels more familiar than the old habits and patterns, at least for me. Like, I feel like I've been caught in this strange dream for the past 30 years maybe 25, maybe it started when I was like in my, my like eight to 10 or something. I feel like that's a good time to say. Cause that's when it really like my consciousness really took a hold of like the environment around me as 
and the, the experiences that I had just like embedded into me these very trauma-based habits of self-suppression. I experienced a lot of early childhood bullying. Um, it was really strange because it was like the perfect example of how you could be friends with everyone. But yet, given the right circumstances, the group mentality will take over. And I realized this very early on. At the same time, it's like I still managed to remain friends with these boys who jumped on the train of bullying. And what was even stranger was the boy who led the bullying was moved from the school that he was in to the school that I was in because of the amount of bullying he was going through. And his first thing to do is to pick out someone and focus on them. And I mean, what does that say? And I resisted for so long. I resisted letting that in. I didn't even talk about it because it was like talking about it would make it real. And I didn't want that part of my, my experience there to be real. I didn't want those feelings of this doesn't feel good to be about people mistreating me. I wanted that to be, for some strange reason, about me being overly sensitive. About me trying to make something wrong. Now It's so interesting to think about that because that is so the mentality of a child. And I see this play out in my daughter in the way that she tries to take responsibility at the age of six for fixing the things that even the adults and the huge army of adults that I have collected to support her and me through the difficult co-parenting process that has been You can still feel how it's like she feels like the weight is on her. And the sad part is that realistically it is because her parents can't seem to just communicate about basic things in a decent and civilized way. Both of her parents just can't seem to get on board to make it as easy and simple and good for her. And good for us, because I mean, come on, who? Mm, I don't want to go down this road. I'm not touching on that right now. Mm -mm. We're not talking about about her. Mm, no, not her dad. Not tonight. Not today. Not on this podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe sometime in the future. But it goes on her. It goes on her to develop the skills, and that's what is so difficult. And that's why I'm tying this back into it. Is because. As a child, I had more emotional intelligence than my parents because I could see what was going on with them. And that somehow made me, I the word that's coming to mind is stunted, but it's different than stunted. It's like, it made me carry the burden. And this was something that was mentioned. Oh goodness. I listened to so many different people. I think it was yesterday on the zoom call that um this woman who i'm i'm entering her container soon and i actually posted a tiktok from like things that were spurred from the zoom that she did the transmission on zoom that she did um 
the feeling of being a burden. The feeling of being a burden has become a, a theme as I've been diving into like what needs to be unearthed and rewritten to address the duplicity and cognitive dissonance within my life. And what's interesting is I'm, I'm tying this with the way that I, I've resisted moving and getting into my body. And I believe that this is the root of it, the feeling of burden placed in childhood, that it was my responsibility as a very young child to manage social settings where adults couldn't even help the children that were there, but I was somehow supposed to manage all of it on my own. And it's what I really don't want for my daughter, but it's like, how do I develop the tools and model the ways of handling these things? And this is, I think, what I'm seeing. This practice of getting into my body, of stretching, of moving my body, of exerting and moving the energy that is produced, that's the key. That's the last key for the creation of this life and for what I'm modeling, for things to come together, for my own embodiment, for, the own, for my own movement of the energy to create. Excuse me. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> to create the flow and momentum that is needed to be able to push away any of that last, like, congested energy. It's to get off my fucking ass and to religiously move every single day. Whether it means that I have to start by just simply shaking and moving. And if that's what I need to do first before I start stretching. Or does it even need a plan? Does it even need this like, for me, I don't really need a routine. Because I'll end up switching it up just because that's what I do. I switch shit up. I don't even mean to. I'll be like, I absolutely love this routine. The next day I'll switch it up. I had a friend of mine tell me once that. He always knew when I was about to change something up. It was like there was this predictability to my unpredictability. Like the moment that I became too predictable, that was the moment something was going to change. And he, he knew it. He knew right when it was about to happen. And it was very amusing because I said it to him in this fashion of like, well, I mean, we always know that I'm just very unpredictable. He's like, actually, you know, you're rather predictably unpredictable. Like I actually know when you're about to do something that's about to be surprising. I don't know what you're about to do. But I know you're about to do something. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that's when he explained that to me. And when he did, it was like this feeling of being truly seen by someone in a way that I hadn't even seen myself. That I hadn't even allowed myself to see myself. And I feel like that has been the key. It's been the key in allowing myself to be myself. You know, once I accepted that I was predictably unpredictable. If you watched my pattern closely enough, it gave me the instinct to watch my pattern close enough. It gave me the sense that I could figure myself out because this guy who I had been hanging out with 
for a year straight, who I had made best friends with. I had fallen madly in love with. Anyway, shout out to Sean. <laughs> Fucking badass. Anyway. There is this feeling of knowing, being known and being seen and being in the fluid movement of that energy. And that's what the embodiment feels like. That was the time when I really was just, that was when I was in my early 20s and I was like, I'm gonna figure out myself. I'm not gonna be dependent on medications to numb. It doesn't feel good, it's not working. I can't connect with people. He was the first person I really, truly, deeply connected with and like let myself develop a true bond with and like let myself really trust. And things unfolded in other ways after then and we separated not long after just because I moved to a different state. He came and visited me. We kept in touch. Still actually keep in touch with him occasionally in a light fashion. But there's this feeling of that gift. And really, it's a gift that I gave myself. I let myself be fully everything I was in front of him. Even the parts that I was terrified to let him see. Even the parts that I was certain were going to be too much. And yeah, <laughs> there were definitely moments when I was too much with him. But he was surprisingly graceful with me. I think that's why I fell in love with him. <laughs> because that's the thing. That's, that's what gets you to fall, and fall for someone. That's what gets you to love someone. That's what gets you to be deeply surrendered into the experience of letting someone see you. There's those moments when you trip up and they hold you in a space of acceptance and grace. And this doesn't have to lead to love. I mean, as I'm sitting here saying this, like, that's the thing is it was love, but that's like the type of love that we could give to everyone. That's the type of love that I want to give to my body. That's the type of love that I want to be the baseline for reality where we slip up and we accept and we hold and we give grace and we go, how do I use this to deepen my experience? How do I use this mistake, this mishap, this thing that feels off and wrong and I am looking at it and going, oh fuck, I just did that. I mean, it takes a few things. It takes just doing it. It takes just being willing to be that vulnerable and to be that raw and to be that real and to be that in your own integrity that you can do something and then immediately look at it and be like, oh, yeah, just fuck that up. 
But that is integrity. That is honesty. That is authenticity. That is realness. That is humanity. That is humanness. That is being human. Humans are far from perfect. In fact, that is a hallmark of us. That is how we grow. We fuck it up. We acknowledge we fucked up. And then we go, I'm gonna fix this. And somewhere along the lines, and it is probably the most dangerous part of how some people engage with social media, is that it is used as a catalyst for perfection to be what is most predominant, that illusion, that appearance, that what is displayed is all that there is. And I love that there has been a movement away from this. I love that you can see this in the way that it's just about putting it out there. And it's not just about empty content. It's about like that real gritty, like exactly the example of this podcast. It's got the real meat there, but it's also just me streaming for however long I stream at you. And I don't edit it. And I don't think I ever will. Because there's a... There's a visceral tactility to a stream of consciousness moment that is just recorded and offered. That is the embodiment of being human. Of letting yourself be predictably unpredictable. There is an endearing factor to it. There's an adorableness. There is this cute sort of razor's edge. I don't know, that's like a paradox, but it's like a cat playing with a fucking moth as it's slowly killing it. It is vicious and painful and the most innocently joyful thing that is absolutely natural. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I'm going to hop off here and I'm going to go do the thing that I talked about and put on some music. I'm going to dance. And then I'm going to take my daughter and her friends to have a play date. Drop my daughter off with her dad and spend three days alone. Maybe not alone. We'll see. I've been really enjoying the hermit thing. It's that once you accept being on your own and really revel in it, it's like giving someone a gift to give anyone a moment of your time. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, look at that. It's my first alarm. Bless y'all. Enjoy babies. <laughs>